What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am super excited to have as my guest this week someone who I have previously spoken to, who someone who I have written about for Outsports uh, before, but someone who I really wanted to have on the podcast because not everything that we talked about in our interview uh, for that piece got into the article, and honestly, this guy is just a, a fun fun chat and i'm glad to share it with everyone else here the real mother trucker dewey murray welcome to LGB lgbt in the ring what is going on let's let's get down to business let's rock some rainbows and let this pride fly hell yeah i could not say it better myself dewey i am excited to get the chance to talk to you again just because like i genuinely enjoyed getting to know you whenever we we spoke uh previously earlier this year for for that article that went up in january on the site and i just really was like in like enthralled by your story specifically like whether it be like your your coming out narrative or just like your lengthy experiences in pro wrestling along with like you know, marrying advocacy work with your work through the American uh, Psoriasis Association to um, to pro wrestling and just all the different, you have so many different like fun little like caverns of your career to kind of yeah. like explore a little bit there. And I wanted the chance to talk to you again to kind of get some more of those elements out there and just like really, I don't know, just get to know you a bit more a bit more and and put it out there for everybody else to do the same because i feel like you're someone that you know within the rochester new york scene or then within the upstate new york scene there like you you have a reputation like you're known um but um you know and like through your work as like doing extra work with wwe in the past like you've you definitely put yourself out there as well but and, and you voiced this, I know, to me and, and publicly as well, like with the rise of LGBTQ pro wrestling over the past few years, like I know that that is something with you yourself as a, as a gay man in professional wrestling, that that's something that you've voiced a, a desire to be a part of and, and to kind of lend your voice to as well. It's It's something, you know, that when I first came out, there was maybe like one show or there was like maybe one fundraiser for like a community somewheres and that was it. And now it's, there's the WrestleMania shows. There's the not WrestleMania shows. There's um, an amazing company I'm going to put over really quick. It is called the Belladonna's division and they just started. Hmm. And um, they're actually owned by Casey Dillon and she is a trans performer and she is now obviously a trans promoter and she's bringing it. She's bringing all the girls, no stops. And I mean, it's, it's awesome to see what our community can do, you know, um, shout out to MV young. I mean, I love his little poly cult, cult, cult parties. I would love to get on one. Um, you know, just everything from not just sex or sexuality, but just, you know, just a fun time, you know, just knowing that everybody is accepted. And that's just awesome, you know, to be a part of because when I broke in the wrestling, not only was like, you know, the whole, you know, gay community kind of like a little quiet and stuff. But I also came from that era where everybody still believed that, you know, the fans still came from their grandma's basement or fresh out of trailer park with a NASCAR t-shirt on. Mm. So 
I mean, just to see something like this, just to know that everybody's accepted and there's no more stereotypes or genders or anything like that, just it makes me happy to be part of wrestling even more than what I was before. Because, yeah, it was something that I loved to do and it was something I always wanted to do, but now this is something I can hold near and dear to my heart that makes it going the extra mile, not going the extra mile, because it's just so much meaning and power behind it now. I think it's very apt that you describe all of these events, like the ones that are established, like your Uncanny Attractions, your uh, Butch versus Gores, like all these companies. And then, of course, like the stuff that Effie's doing with GCW down there, like they, all these events, like, yes, they have like a meaning of um, like advocacy or like promoting LGBTQ voices in, in a way that they have not been recognized as in pro wrestling before. But at the end of the day, they're just fun. Like they're just yeah. like big wrestling parties. And it's just like so awesome to, to see that play out. Is that something that you ever expected? Like whatever you, whether it be before or after you came out, that that would what be no. what the LGBTQ no. representation in wrestling would come to represent? No, I, I I did not expect it to go this far. And you know what? I won't even say go this far because it's not even done yet. So, I mean, there's there's no expectations or holding anything back or limits at this point. No, for sure. I mean, the, the, we're only a year really into a lot of these companies running. And like you said, even like new companies popping up now like with the Belladonna's division that you just brought up, that's one that's completely yeah. new to me. I have to do my research now because like I am <laughs> here for all this stuff. I'm here for learning. Yeah, but I mean, like think about it. Like it's, it's trans pride. There's not really another trans promoter out there that's, you know, putting her name out there and trying to make a company exclusive with a divas complete divas division yeah no like it's 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 amazing to see like it, it reminds me a little bit of like some of the stuff that blow has been doing in boston in in some way and and even like looking at butch versus gore specifically with, with low there as being a trans voice in these things like it's just amazing to yep. see not just the rise of like you know gay or lesbian or, or bi voices but trans voices in in these movements too um it's just I think that's even like more of a of a sign of the of the strength that this movement has really um, piled behind it. Um, what does it yeah. What does it say to you to see like all these like not just like queer like specifically trans voices um, taking the reins themselves and and making pro wrestling something that they control? Just do it. I mean, legit, I mean, do it because once you do it, our community has nothing left to prove that we can do everything that any other community can do. So what's holding us back? It doesn't make a difference what we identify or how we identify. It's that we can take over the world. That's what counts. It is very, very true. <laughs> no, but... um. You know, speaking to your experiences in pro wrestling, like you talked about, like when you first started, like it was a completely different, like cultural mindset, whether it be like the outlook on like who was coming to shows or how to really represent yourself within shows. Um, let's go back a little bit further than that, though. We'll get we'll get to that there. I want to know about how Dewey Murray 
um, discovers pro wrestling and, and starts to cultivate a love for pro wrestling. When was the first time that you uh, interacted with pro wrestling? Um, <clears throat> so uh, pro wrestling was one of those things where like, I always watched it growing up and I always, you know, just something I always wanted to do. And then once I got to a certain point, uh, my father would, he, he knew a couple of the guys through ECW and stuff like that for, you know, personal smoking medical reasons. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and I would go backstage and I would hang out and I would meet these guys. And I thought it was like the best thing in the world. I was like, I want to, I like, it, it just made me fall in love more just seeing you know, guys just in in that environment and stuff like that. And, and, and then one of the reasons I always bring up kind of like the whole ECW thing is because he he knew uh, Too Cold Scorpio and he was really close with Nunzio and stuff like that. So we would always be at the shows and there's a, there, there's a promo. And when I first broke into wrestling, uh, I went up to Shane Douglas and I was like, hey, do you remember in Rochester, you did a promo with, there was like a fat little kid in the hallway eating an ice cream. And you were cutting a promo and you said something and you were like, and I'm just as over as fat kids in love with ice cream and like bipped the kid and got ice cream in his face. I was like, I was that fat kid. And that was my ice cream. <laughs> and like every time. I've seen him and I've said this to him 18 years ago. Every time I see him, we always shoot the shit about that ice cream spot because he goes, you know, that's such an awkward thing to walk up. He goes, because I really don't think that made it on TV or if it did, he goes, I don't even know where the hell I'd find it. He goes, but I, I do remember doing that. And, and, and it, it is just one of those awesome things. You, you know, you, you just, you kind of get to, experience that before you get into it so you kind of I, I kind of seen how their lifestyle was mm -hmm. and you know being a teenager I kind of super super loved it and um so in high school I I joined the uh high school wrestling so uh I should have stuck with swimming I was an excellent swimmer I swam throughout middle school and beginning of high school should have stuck with that uh, there was this big jack dude and he's like I bet you I can flip over the fat kid uh, and he flipped me over and you know I'm I, I, I had no experience or nothing and I'm like oh my god big kid going up and I tried to put my hand down so if you can see this this pinky's crooked I broke it I broke it here here and then at like the top Oof. so I was like screw this I want to be a real wrestler like you know real wrestler obviously wasn't a thing you know, because pro wrestling's fake. Uh, so I went, I found uh, a local wrestling school and um, I was talking to one of my teachers. I went to East High School in Rochester and uh, there was a teaching learning institute and the head of it was the Dallahanties, a husband and wife, Laura and Dan. Well, Dan was from Fairport. Uh, Dan's cousin she married Scott Steiner. Oh, wow. So I got surprised and I got an autograph and I got to hang out with him through them. 
And he was like, hey, man, you know, if you want to do this, you know, do it. And, and he was just, you know, everybody gets those dickheaded stories about him and everything. And here I am. I have a positive experience because once again, you know, his cousin was my teacher, you know, and all that cool stuff. So I had nothing but a positive outlook on trying to do it as a choice in my life. You know, my parents were supportive, all that kind of stuff. And one of the main reasons, you know, um, my mom, she was just, you know, whatever you want to do, you do you, as long as you're happy in life, as long as you know, you know, you're, you're not doing heroin or, you know, trying to do anything crazy, you're going to end up in jail, live your life. And then I never found out until I got into wrestling, <clears throat> the main reason my father supported me, because he was actually in roller derby. Oh, interesting. And I never found that out until I was about two and a half years in the wrestling because we did a co-show in Buffalo, New York with the roller derby. And they kept talking to him and coming up and they were talking about old times. He was like, oh yeah, I kind of really never did the whole wrestling wrestling thing. I did roller derby because that was popular in the late seventies, early eighties. That's what I did huh. and everything. So that kind of made sense why I got supported doing what I wanted to do because, you know, he was playing roller boogie, as I call it all the time to him. <laughs> references about the old days. You know, I'm like, sure, you were dressed like John Travolta, moonwalking backwards, throwing a pointer finger up something, listening to the Bee Gees. He was like, no, no, we tackle each other. Oh, we beat the crap out of each other. I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess that's how roller derby went. I don't know. <laughs> that's because, really interesting, though. That like that. You, sorry, go ahead. And it's just women with boobs and tight little tights on. You really don't see men doing it anymore. That's why I always made fun of them when it was like, oh, this is what I kind of chose to do. It's like, but women do it, and they're like very not dressed a lot. It's just them. <laughs> Roller skates, band-aid holding the girls up, and maybe a pair of Daisy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting, actually, that like your dad had that connection in that way, like you know, through through roller derby and like it's because roller derby and pro wrestling, like you said, like they they have a very um almost like sister mindset in a way. Yeah. You know, like in terms of the presentation, in terms of like uh the structure of things like that, and this creating the illusion of of what it of of uh what it does to to draw in audiences and that sort of thing um what was it like whatever like what i guess going back a little bit further what was it like for you as like a, a kid going into and into teenage years like just hanging out with like ecw guys because <laughs> like that just sound that just seems like it will be such a wild experience it it was fun because I think my father kind of knew what direction and who to hang with. Mm, okay. Instead of who not to kind of hang with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, he's kind of like, uh, we were hanging out with Nunzio and Two Cold Scorpio and all those type of guys. Yeah. Like, the upper tier guys, but the upper tier guys that weren't like the crazy party party animals. Oh, that's just so that's just so wild to me because like it definitely speaks to um like growing up in that area for you like like 
like thinking back to yeah. that era of pro wrestling, like where like outside of Philadelphia and maybe like New York City, like ECW Ooh. really caught fire in the in the upstate in like the Rochester area for for a lot of uh, a lot of the time that it was it existed. So it makes sense that that would be that connection there. Um, they always ran the convention center in Rochester, and then Burt Flickinger was always the Buffalo one. Mm. And they did a lot of reviews out of the Burke Flickinger Center in Buffalo. Yeah. So was there anybody that you kind of gravitated to as a fan or I guess like even though like you're you're hanging around them, I don't know if it's necessarily the same mindset as a traditional fan would be, but like I was always a Shane Douglas Mark. Yeah. I I, I was always Shane Douglas Mark. I was always big in to Sandman because you know, watch him as a teenager, he would just sit in the back locker room and he was who he was. He would just sit in the back, you know, 24, you know, beers later before his entrance, two packs of cigarettes, you know, hey, uh, where are we going? I'm drunk. And, 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 and he was always the cool guy, you know, and, and he was always great with, with kids. Um, you know, this really puts my age out there, but I got to see his son wrestle oh wow at, at pro wrestling unplugged back back in the day i was also there for the uh jake the snake sandman um documentary that happened at pro wrestling unplugged mm. when they worked each other where where sandman couldn't figure out how to get where he was going and and all that that that, that was a fun one yeah they proceeded to uh, have a drinking contest in the back. You know, how did growing up with like your major interactions with pro wrestling being like hanging out with the ECW guys, how did that influence like what styles of pro wrestling that you got into as, um, as a youth? And then whenever you started to make the decision that you wanted to be a wrestler, like how did that inform how you wanted to like portray yourself in the ring if at all uh, so i just wanted to be the cool fat kid um i wanted to be the cool guy that just goes in and just beats everybody up you know kind of like big dude and it kind of you know didn't work that way at first um i did uh i was dewey delight which was you know a chubby kid who loved, you know, cookies. And if you touched his cookies, he'd beat you up. Um, <laughs> so that kind of lasted for a little while. And then now we're going to get back to this ECW kind of thing again. So um, I started at uh, Upstate Pro Wrestling or, well, it's UPW now, but it was NWA New York, NWA Upstate, um, it went through like three or four name chains. The Blue Meanie was supposed to be on uh, a, a local show at uh, UPW. And he had some type of issue come up where he couldn't make it. And he called a few days ahead of time. So the uh, promoter was like, it's Halloween, hear me out. You're a big guy. We'll paint top and get you know some blue hair we'll have you be the blue beanie 
So he found a replacement. He found Chris Hamrick. So Chris Hamrick came in with the uh, backseat boys. I just got done doing my hair. I had a little boob tube top rock in. And they only see me from behind. And Hamrick walks in and he goes, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. I thought you canceled. I thought it was replacing you. So it kind of popped him and it popped the crowd. So we were like, uh, let's let's see how this kind of plays out. So I started doing different gimmicks, different gimmicks. And I was a legend impersonator for over six years. Mm. And one of the best things about being a legend impersonator was one of my top gimmicks that I did was gold dust. I would do dew dust <laughs> and uh, I had a costume made. I legitly had a gold dust costume made that replicated his and said dew dust on it. Um, the uh, one of the former owners of um, UPW in Rochester used to collect gear. That was like his like hobby. He would collect gear. You know, like some people collect action figures. He would collect gear. So he uh, he was a, a local police officer. So he would work once in a while at the high school that I went to. Mm. So as a graduation gift, I he actually gave me a real gold dust outfit. And one of the things I'll say until the day, probably even after I retire, is. I did Legend of First Nations for six years. Gold Dust was the top gimmick that I did. I even had a promoter book me to wrestle Honky Tonk Man because he was a mark and never got to see at the Night of Champions Gold Dust versus Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> when they did the fan voting. So the only thing I'll ever say is I was one hell of a good Gold Dust. Some people said I was even a little bit more risky and sketchier than the other one and how did, did nobody not know i was gay because i did the gold dust gimmick that well <laughs> i mean that That's costume right <laughs> that costume that that get up like is a very good camouflage it's very good beard <laughs> i mean like i i popped um i worked i took because once in a while, I'll take, you know, some of the local students that are, you know, up and coming and actually, you know, show potential. I'll take some of them with me here and there, you know, just because, you know, there was people before me that kind of did the same thing. You know, they seen something to me. They, you know, they take me on the road when they could. And I worked a benefit show in Pennsylvania and I took um, two young kids with me and i ended up wrestling one of them and there was only one person the whole six years that kind of ever called me out for it mm. and it was uh i don't know what she goes by now but she was uh katie birchill or whatever oh, okay yeah. and like you know, um, I did the whole we chain wrestled. Um, I did a wrist lock into a jerk off spot um, into the kid trying to do a comeback. I caught his uh, clothesline, duck under, chuck the oil. I'm doing all these, you know, gay spots and she's watching it. 
and she popped and she's the only person that whole six years that was like you're either really good or you're really gay <laughs> i was like no i'm no no, no i'm just i'm really good <laughs> i'm really good you know I, yeah and, and and it was just money and one of the best parts too about you know coming out is there was escapades on the road where stuff happened and people were like but i was there and i seen that and i was like oh yeah that was the straight me <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. you know or uh or uh, my favorite quote is those were my straight days <laughs> those were my straight days. Lord. Now, whenever you were like doing Do Dust and all these other like legend impersonations, at, the, at that point, had you already kind of like realized your your identity like internally, just not like oh, yeah. being out? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I knew in my mid teens, and I knew the night of senior prom when i ended up trying to hook up with my best friend's date who was her boyfriend at the time but uh i caught a story and caught him in an awkward predicament and we knew and he actually came out right after graduation right before he went to college Mm. so yeah I knew like right by the end of high school, end of high school type thing. Now, whenever, like, since you already knew this about yourself, like, ha- taking on that character of Dust and like having all these like different uh, antics that you were doing in the ring, did, did that, did it make you feel like you were like engaging with that, with that part of you, even though you weren't like living openly at the time in a way? It was my way to live an out weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I got to be me. I got to, you know, you know, grab ass, you know, be whatever. And I was just me. Yeah. And nobody understood yeah. that, you know? I mean, there's something that gets taken for granted by people that, that don't feel comfortable being able to, yeah. like, or that do feel, do feel comfortable being able to, to just be themselves. Uh, and on any given day of the week you know like i think especially for like the time that you were like you know coming up like around like the mid-aughts there like it was just a completely different attitude than uh, what we see now in terms of like acceptance of lgbtq identities as a whole not just in pro wrestling but like culturally as well yeah Yeah. you know and i'm and, and and i was probably one of the only people that was that was doing the gimmick were I was also comfortable um, not only designing or, or, or trying to make some of my own outfits, you know, because you couldn't want, uh, you couldn't have a promoter get a hold of you this week and be like, I want you to be so-and-so in two weeks and have a gear maker legitly possibly whip something up in two weeks. It's just, it's unheard of on the indies. Yeah. You can't even have the seamstresses do that. And, and, um, it was just one of those things where I was also comfortable just going into certain stores like 
um, Excite Wrestling, they had me come in and, and I did four or five shows for them. And the last show I did for them, um, Johnny Moose uh, became really tight with Matt Hardy through 2CW because 2CW would always book Matt Hardy. So um, they booked me for a rumble to not pop the crowd, <laughs> but to pop Matt Hardy. <laughs> Uh, so I legitly went into a female store. I'm like, all right, listen here, homegirl. This is what I need. I need some weave. Keep it blonde. Can we get a little pink streak? I'm going to need maybe a little purple or like a different color. And then what are we working for for fishnets? Because I'm going to need some fishnets. Well, I'm going to need to cut them off because I'm going to need to rock them on my hand. And can I get the ones where I don't have to cut a hole in them? The holes are kind of big enough where I can just pop my thumb through them. And the girl's like, are you a crossdresser? Are you like... No, do you like work at one of like the local nightclubs being a drag queen or something? I was like, nope, I'm a wrestler. And every time you'd go into a store and get some weird stuff like that and say that, man, the jaws would drop. So <laughs> they legitly um IB Green's wife did did all my weave. She hooked it up. I I, I legitly had huge weave. I can probably find a picture somewhere for you. And uh, whole nine yards, they dressed me up as Dewey Hardy and they kept me separate from every, everybody. The, the rumble was first. They made sure Matt was there on time. And let me tell you something. He popped so goddamn huge. <laughs> they were like, hey, we got a surprise for you in a rumble. Don't worry, you guys sit and watch it. And at first, when the music hit, he kind of, like, thought, like, they were ribbing him, like, oh, shit, you kind of got to go out, you know, like, hey, you got to go. And it wasn't, it, it was me, and, and, I, and it, it was one of, you know, one of my favorite top moments, just, you know, because when I, when I did the Legend impersonations, I would get booked, yes, to wrestle, or I would get booked as a character, but I'd always find it funny when people like that would book me just to pop people. <laughs> or just to rib somebody or they wanted to see you know a match somebody versus somebody yeah and you know it, it, it was it was just fun and one of the things i kind of always make a joke about and i still make a joke to it to this day with with my fiance as i go if I ever drop, drop the trucker gimmick, I'm legitimately going back to Dew Dust. It was my favorite gimmick. It got over the most, and it was it was me. <laughs> like, yes, I legitimately drive a 22-foot truck. I drive a big-ass truck for work all over upstate New York. So, yes, it is a shoot. It is me 120%. But it was just something about that character being me and just i don't know just something there just meshed very well <laughs> i mean it almost seems like like two different ways of embracing your identity in a way because like yes like the real mother trucker is representative of just you and your day-to-day -day and just like you're regular but then like dudas kind of has this connection to a time where you weren't out and you weren't comfortable like showing your your identity publicly in the way it was and that was your escape to be able to like have moments where you didn't have to have that anxiety in a way 
Yeah. Alright, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. So at what point does the change uh, – do you – excuse me. At what point do you make the change to the real mother trucker? Um, I made that change when uh, a guy by the name of Brody Lee came to me and we kind of – so it, it, it was – he wanted to work with me and – and we were going to team together, but where I came from, obviously this was his hometown. So we were hometown boys. Um, and he was part of Cloudly, Special K. And when he couldn't make bookings, once again, the promoter was like, hey, can we just make him a trucker and just throw him with Cloudy? Like, you know, we'll call it Cloud Lee version two. So that kind of caught on. And and, and then um, I would drive with them and, and we would travel all around. I'd go to 2CW with them and stuff. We drove to Dragon Gate together. Uh, we drove to ROH a lot. I was there for his uh, first ROH match when he wrestled Jerry Lynn for uh, TV when they just got that huge TV deal. Uh, Ring of Honor and stuff. And... Uh, it was one of those things where, like, I just kind of got done doing the Legend Impersonator thing, and I was trying to kind of find what I was going to do, and I was like, I have my psoriasis really bad, so it was one of those things where it's like, oh, man, if I'm going to wrestle, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do biker, you know, I was always comfortable in biker tights. Don't know why with my skin condition, I was just always comfortable in biker tights and stuff, and I was like, 
well, that ain't going to cut it. I'm going to, you know, this isn't going to cover every, you know, defect in my body. And Brody came along and I just, I embraced the gimmick because I was able to wear jeans. So I covered everything up. I was able to wear a singlet and a cutoff shirt or, you know, uh, a flannel. So I hid more. And then uh, my elbows were, were always infamous for, you know, breakout. So I was able to take the bandanas and actually tie them over my elbows tight. So I didn't have to worry about them ever slipping off or coming off like an elbow pad. And they were very light in material and didn't stick because when I would put an elbow pad on, if I'd sweat too much, I'd take the elbow pad off and my skin would peel off. Mm. So I kind of got a new way to hide it and it was less painful. So it was just everything all in one. I got to work with my best friend. I got to hide my defect and it just, it worked. No. And, and it's, it's so interesting how like all these, the different ideas that you have like kind of embodied in pro wrestling have been, you know, ways of like engaging with your own, like different aspects of yourself in that way, you know, like, like I'd imagine like having the ability to kind of like cover up the, the problem areas on your skin with the psoriasis is like a thing that does boost the confidence level of yourself in the ring in a way. Yep. Like you're not, you're not worried about those sort of things as much. Um, but, you know, one thing that was very striking to me the last time that, that we spoke was, um, you know, your relationship with Brody Lee, you know, um, obviously, the tragic passing in December of last year um, of Brody. Uh, I think it, it hit so many people within the pro wrestling world in a way that you don't normally see pro wrestling respond to, to yeah. deaths in a way. Um, what about Brody made him so special to, to you specifically? Um, he... He was everybody's positive influence and, and he was everybody's, um, what's the word to say? He would help you mentally get where you need to go and you would thank him for it. And he didn't do it for a thank you. He didn't do it for, you know, street cred or he didn't do it to get bonus points in some book. He he did it because he's seen something in you and he, he, he did it because he felt you belong where you belonged. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I always tell the story and, and it's one of those things where, you know, I did the SmackDown taping where I dragged out Ellsworth and me and him talked before, you know, I went out and we had a long conversation and he legitly said something to me and he was like, what you need to do if you want to get noticed or what you need to do to get to the next level where you think you feel like you have a purpose or you feel that you've made it in your eyes no matter what anybody else kind of thinks you know as long as you've done what you've done for you and you're happy do you but you can do it 
by turning something you think in your life is negative into a positive. And I bet you, if you had that outlook, you'd get where you'd want to go. And I drove six hours home and man, I smoked my face off and I was, damn it, I still don't understand what he says. Still didn't kind of understand it. I, you know, I texted him a few days out and like still didn't. He was very, very good with words. Very good with words. Like if you needed somebody to sit down and have an intellectual conversation with, he was one of those guys. And, um, you know, I, 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 I finally put it together and I went and I started doing psoriasis advocate work. I started, you know, working for the National Psoriasis Foundation. I went and got a job that gave me public and national exposure. Um, you know, I, I would have never seen myself in People's Magazine or Men's Health and Fitness or just, you know, being in every dermatologist's office throughout the, you know, United States and just stuff like that. And, and I would always send him a thank you. And he was like, nah, dog, man, you did it yourself, blah, 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 you know, or like, I probably shouldn't say this, you know, because I, because I might get a little fired, but, you know, I, I, I would send him, they would give me like the scripts to go over for like the commercials and the segments and stuff. And I would like screenshot some of it and send it to him. And I'm like, look, man, they're putting the trucker stuff over, man. Thank you. You know, you know, thank you for letting me, you know, and he was like, don't thank me, man. You know, you, you know, you're doing this all yourself. You've earned it. You're working hard. You know, don't thank me. Don't thank me. There's no, and he was just that guy that would, would get you somewheres and you know that he helped you get there, but he didn't want any credit for anything. He just was happy to see you happy. You don't get a people like that on the indies anymore and you don't get a lot of people like that in life anymore did um did being close to brody like any of that those attitudes kind of like rub off on on you in a way of like seeing how his attitudes towards you impacted you and and you did you like internalize any of that and feel like paying some of that forward to the people you know whether it be like the the talents that are up and coming now in the area there or anybody else in your uh, life there's people that um there's a gentleman nick nick sullivan up this way that um that i've had a lot of help with there's a gentleman that's an up-and-comer out of the scranton area his name's l ray He's a bigger gentleman. Um, he always asks me for advice and pick my brains. There's a lot of people that, you know, if they ask for help or just ask for any advice in general, I never turn anybody away just because that's how I was brought up with being around somebody like him was, you know, even though you're helping somebody, you can still learn a lesson. You know, there's still lessons to be learned about yourself with helping somebody. No, for sure. I mean, I think that's a powerful thing for for anyone to kind of internalize there and just be able to like make yourself available to other people and help them the same way that that you would either help yourself or how someone else helped you. Yeah. I think that's a very like mature I, thing to take I, on. It is, but it's just it's still good to see good things and it's still good to pay it forward because I feel like that's one thing that kind of got lost here and there in wrestling. Mm -hmm. 
the paying it forward and the taking it care of, of people because I, I feel like it's became more of a mentality. Well, okay, well, if I help you, what do I get out? Where am I going to go? What do I see, you know, the importance of it to me? And, you know, it's not any of that, you know, it's just, it's hard to see that. Where, you know, like where, um, try and use um, an example. There's a bunch of guys that are doing AEW Dark that are from like the Pittsburgh area and certain areas, you know, and you don't see any of those guys complaining or crapping on anybody and they're sharing everything and they're sharing, you know, the Bill Colliers being on AEW and all that because they know it's good for their area. It's good for just the business in general. And it's hard to see stuff like that because it's always a lot more. And, and I know people don't see it that way, but it's a lot more territorial still. Like, you know, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I run this area. Nobody runs in a hundred mile radius. Nobody works together. Nobody has the, you know, that kind of, let's all work together mentality. Mm. So you don't feel like there's been a sh- like any, any shift really in, in that approach, like with, with companies working together in that way. Um, I really wish a lot more companies would work together. Um, mm-hmm. There's one company that I work for that's called, you know rope to rope and their concept is they work from new jersey pennsylvania new york and delaware and there's like five different companies but they're all under one banner and they just started doing comeback shows and you know what they're packing these places with all the covid restrictions and they're following the guidelines and everything they're renting out these big skate parks and they're filling them hmm. because everybody within that 50 mile radius that promotes is working together, doing one big solid show, you know, yeah, there might be 12 matches, but you know, there's four promotions working together. They, they each have three matches each. And it's just, it's so good for business. Not, not only are the fans making out because, you know, this one promotion is going to bring, you know, three different matches than this other promotion is going to bring. And the other promotion is going to bring different talent than the other. Yeah. So that's cool because it's not like also, too, when you see, you know, the same people in the same area repetitive within the same 50 miles, it kind of, you know, not like lessens the crowd but you know they kind of get tired of seeing the same thing same people so with all these companies working together um you can also rotate out more wrestlers and do a lot more different things because you're going to have you know these three segments are going to be different from the next and then the next and there's going to be something there for every fan at that point because hopefully not every promotion every promoter books the same no, for sure. I mean, variety is is the spice of life when it comes to pro wrestling in that way. Like this, it's what keeps things uh, moving in the right direction and and keeps uh, bringing in new audiences. So I definitely agree with you on that. 
but I'm, I'm curious yeah. to talk to you more about your involvement with the National Psoriasis Foundation, because in, you know, in many ways that is like, like you said, it's put your face in so many places and it's really embraced your identity as the, the real mother trucker and your pro and all of your pro wrestling work into uh, like a nationwide notoriety in a way. What's it like for you to um, be, I guess, like one of the, the faces of the advocacy work that's being done um, to combat this condition that you yourself suffer from? It was one of those things where growing up, you didn't have psoriasis wasn't very uh, well known among any, you know, celebrities or anybody kind of famous really never kind of came out and was open about their skin situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so when I was diagnosed with it, I never had nobody to look to. I never had nothing to Google. I never had, you know, anybody saying, hey, you know, this is okay. It's normal. Eight million people have it you're not alone, you know, don't think you look freakish or, you know, don't think anything different of yourself. And, you know, I started seeing Cindy Lauper in ads. Uh, I started seeing Kim Kardashian come out. Um, Leanne Rhymes started talking about her journey with psoriasis. And I was just you know, just intrigued by it. And I started looking into it and there's not a lot of athletes that are open to have psoriasis. There's not a lot. Hmm. There's like an Olympic skier, um, one or two football players, and then like uh, some other weird Olympic sport that, you know, that's like the only athletes that are out. Mm -hmm about psoriasis and a lot of people love wrestling i don't care what anybody says all these people you know we will you know we crunch aew numbers or you know we crunch WWE numbers and whatever people love wrestling doesn't make a difference if they're stuck on watching old stuff new stuff what they watch who they watch or how they watch or when they watch at some point everybody watched wrestling watched watched it watches it and loved it at one point and I was just like, you know, this is a great opportunity to once again show that, you know, wrestling always isn't all, you know, negative. You know, we're not all the Sandman. We all don't get drunk and drink 30, you know, cans of beer a day, you know, or just whatever other people thought negative that, you know, wrestling is, you know, we're all big juice steroid at our heads or whatever negativity they had that it got to show that you know you could bring positivity to something with wrestling through wrestling and that's why i just love doing a lot of other charity shows just besides you know when you do the lgbtq stuff but you know there's the autism shows there's, uh, you know, there's different promotions that um, partner up with, you know, a local child that's in the wrestling that has cancer and they do shows and stuff like that. It's just, I love the positivity behind wrestling showing that 
that is a positive force. And, and I was one of the only people to this day that I know, actually, hold on, I can say this. I'm technically the only male open about having psoriasis and having psoriasis. There's one other wrestler that has psoriasis and it didn't come out until she disappeared from Ring of Honor and everybody tried to figure out what happened to her. Mm. And that was uh, Emma, but I forget what, what, what she goes by. Oh, uh, Tanel Dashwood. Yes, yes, she has psoriasis. When she left and went back to her home country for like three months and everybody thought she fell off the face of the earth, she had a really bad outbreak. She's, I, I mean, people think, you know, oh, it's psoriasis, you know, your skin looks funny. And, and it's more than that. Not only does it affect you mentally, but I also suffer from psoriatic arthritis. So there's certain times where, you know, it flares up and, you know, my, my knees or you know, my elbows are swollen and stiff and red and sore. Or there's times that my arthritis in my hands act up and I have cramps and, you know, they lock up and I look like the guy from Scary Movie staring the mashed potatoes. But everybody, but everybody thinks when you tell them stuff like that, they're like, no, 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 no. It's just a skin condition you look you know funny on the outside you got the flaky things going and it's like no it also messes with the inside of your body too and it also takes out your joints and it also takes out your back which luckily i don't have it knock on wood somewhere around here but certain people have uh ankylosis spina whatever which basically means you have arthritis psoriatic arthritis in your lower spine and you get it right, right above where your uh, lower back meets your tailbone area. And it usually starts to curve that area too. So you'll start to hunch one way and, and stuff. And, and it's more than just skin deep. And, and that's the sad part when everybody just thinks it's just what's on the outside, but it takes your inside out too. No, I mean, it's an autoimmune disorder. Like, it, it, it does so much more than just, you know, like like patches of bleeding or irritated skin and stuff like that. It's uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that you and so many others are putting your voices out there to, to educate, though, on, on the condition and, and try and um, change people's minds about how to approach the psoriasis specifically. Um, but like you said, like you've participated in multiple like charity shows for various different um, positive effects. What's been the most rewarding to you personally uh, of all those, the advocacy work that you've done? Um, as far as advocacy work um, for psoriasis, um, I, I like, I did two events. Um, I did one in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which was for um, a child that was diagnosed at seven years old with it. And uh, he actually talked NPF into doing a fundraiser to raise it for research for kids that actually have psoriatic arthritis because kids can get psoriatic arthritis too. It doesn't know no age. So this poor kid goes through what I'm going through and I'm 33. And the second one I ever got to do, which was really cool, and I think it was also my fiance's favorite one that I took him to, is we did a charity walk for children at the Philadelphia Zoo. Mm. And 
they actually got to let me in early and we actually got to walk around and see all the animals getting let out the cages and being fed in the morning before everybody got there. So we kind of got like our own cool personal experience. That's cool. And then um, wrestling for other charities, I always love doing, you know, all the benefits for the kids or, you know, I've done ovarian cancer research. I've done breast cancer. I've done uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospitals. Those are always fun. But one of the funnest ones that has a cool story attached to it is uh, Chaos for Canines in Toronto. Mm. Um, legitly, their title says it all, Chaos for Canines. They do all the shows, go to all the money directly goes there's no taking out for wrestlers there's no taking out for the building there's no taking out for ring rental you know if the door makes four grand they get four grand no matter what there's no deductions there's no nothing it goes straight to them period point blank it's usually toronto toronto humane society the first two years it was them and then the humane society in toronto um said that they would like to still continue to do it but they would like to choose smaller charities that do animal rescue okay so it was still through them but it would be like a smaller private family owned one you know like they might just rescue you know dogs and rehome dogs or you know they might rehome farm animals or and um one of the shows the second show i did for them uh, is legal to smoke in Canada. So I go there and um, I go to get a medical card and this lady's really cool at the dispensary and we're sitting there and, and we're talking and I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And she's telling me, you know, she used to be a voice actress and, you know, she was in an episode of The Simpsons and we're sitting there talking, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, well, you know, I'm in town for wrestling, whatever, whatever, whatever. And lo and behold, there was a billboard poster for Chaos for Canines two blocks over. So the lady that owned a dispensary that was the doctor knew exactly what I was doing in town, where I was going and everything. And she gave me the best hookup I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I... Good advertising. She, she gave she gave me the hookup i was like no seriously you know i'm I'm just in town for a charity event you know everything goes to you know downtown toronto she goes oh you mean the billboard two blocks over eh? and i was like oh yeah yeah yes 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 when you go out and about yes 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 that one and 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 it was just an awesome experience and that was i would have never had that experience if i didn't take a charity show you know, and once again, I would have never been on a billboard in the middle of Canada somewhere if I wasn't on this charity show. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, once again, everybody, you know, oh, you're going to do charity shows. You're going to work for free. You're not going to have fun. It's going to I've never not had a bad experience doing a charity show. So like with all this uh, this work that you've done for charity shows and different advocacy work, like obviously being part of the the LGBTQ community kind of informs that desire to, you know, 
see the, the the continued rise of the community within the pro wrestling ranks but does doing all this other advocacy work um kind of inform your desire to be part of that uh that push as well yes yes because it because it, it it's such a funny feeling when when you go to these events and you know like I'll go and I'll host one of the NPF events and they'll be like, all right, we need a picture. We need a write-up. So I send over whatever picture I want. And nine times out of 10, my, my fiance does my write-up. You know, that's his job, professional writer. He does the write-up. So it was funny when, you know, you sit there and they're like, all right, do you need, because a lot of these galas and stuff I would host, they were like, white tie affairs super fancy so they had to get a head count for food and they would do open bar and everything they're like all right so you're allowed one to two comps blah, blah, blah. and every time i would you know go all right i need my fiance and I, I would say morgan when i would show up and i'd be like oh this is my fiance morgan it was a guy they were like touche touche you don't seem it and i'm like all right but i'm showing up to your event and usually i show up either wearing purple pink or really off orange because those are the three colors for psoriasis Hmm. which is which is like a mothy pink uh a deep purple and then like a golden kind of fiery orange so you can't tell with my outfits I'm trying. I'm trying. I get I'm in dress jeans, but I'm trying here. <laughs> it's always fun to kind of like like point out those like sort of like stereotype things to people like, oh, you didn't notice because of this and this sort of thing. it's just I don't know. It's it's it could be a little a little fun little thing sometimes whenever um, you're engaging with people who don't necessarily see you uh, like in, as a traditional presentation. Somebody tagged me and Pero in one of their uh, recent tweets mm. about, you know, being bigger guys in the business and they're glad, you know, you know, that there's bigger guys and there's bigger openly gay guys, you know, bringing brawlers and all this stuff back to the business. Real, real sweet comment. Great comment. But also you think about it, you put me and Pero together and put us down a street, walking down a street in New York City. I bet you ain't none of us gonna call call us out and think and think me and him are gay. They're gonna be like, these are two big dudes. We ain't gonna mess with walking down the street. Cause look at him, he's a big burly dude like me. Got big old big old beard too, and he looks like he belongs in a biker club. Yeah, doesn't look like he's ever been in a gay bar a day in his life. <laughs> Same thing with me. And it's just so funny now nowadays because not only is our community being represented more and more in the wrestling community, but we're also breaking the stereotypes that everybody looks the same. They all wear bright colors and glitter and rainbows and sparkles, unicorns. Sounds like a bad Lucky Charms commercial almost. But we're also breaking down that stereotype that there's no set way that you need to look to identify your sexuality 
how important is that for you personally that, that you're whether it be like you being a part of that breaking down of the stereotype or just the fact that the stereotype is being broken as a whole I think it's amazing because it was just one of those things where it's just even before I came out it's just you know you were always it, it was just always there was always that that stereotype it was either you judged him because he was gay by his voice the way he held his hands or the way he dressed and now you know you get all these other people that don't fit the description you know might not fit the voice description or might not wear the bright colors or sway their wrists but they're openly gay and they're happy and that's all that counts no that's very true at the end of the day that is the end all be all there as long as you are comfortable expressing who you are and being who you are out and openly like that's just that's the true power in in all of this and i'm i'm with you in that like i really like the fact that we're seeing not just lgbtq representation but diverse lgbtq representation whether it be along like gender uh gender lines or race or even just like outward presentation you know like same thing like everybody thinks you know um which i know she's not but i'm just gonna use this as a quick reference but everybody thinks you know a stereotypical lesbian should look like real ripley she's a big big girl you know with super short hair or a manly haircut and tattoos and piercings and it's not the case yeah you know it's, it's just, it doesn't make a difference anymore. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I finally feel like uh, it's one of those sayings that you can actually say is true. Hmm. That's a powerful thing to say right there. Well, there's that one phrase, you know, um, it is what it is. That's one of those sayings that's bullshit yeah. because it isn't, because, because it isn't, is it, it isn't, it is what it is because there's some something, somebody or somehow that could have changed the situation, you know, but the saying, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover is actually true nowadays because you can't walk up to someone and be like, well, you're wearing pink and you're gay and they're probably 50, 50, 50 that they're probably not because pink's in for men wearing pink nowadays. Yeah. You know, guys wearing vibrant colors or, you know, Guys, I I, I, re, I remember one of the biggest things is like, oh my God, look at all the straight guys wearing the rompers. Everybody's going to think they're gay when those came out. What was it? Two years ago, those those, those, those romper outfits? Yeah. And, and, it, and it's like, once again, you, you, you can't judge somebody based on upon what they look or what they do. Exactly. And like, honestly, like, I, I want to know who the person is that decided that rompers automatically were gay. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but as soon as they hit the market, they were like, yeah, about that. <laughs> I mean, they're cute, but not inherently gay. <laughs> no. Oh, Lord. well, as we wind down here a little bit, my last question for you, Dewey, um, obviously we're coming out the other side of the pandemic um, slowly but surely, hopefully things will be getting back to some form of normalcy come summertime into the fall. 
what are you looking forward to the most whenever you're able to step back into the ring again? Um, I just want to get back out there. I just want to be in front of fans. I mean, yeah. I I love wrestling. I love I love doing these TV tapings, YouTube tapings. I love that I'm keeping busy, but it's not the same without the fans. I just want to be in front of fans. I want interaction. I need people. <laughs> and I think that the fans are are very eager to to get back out there as well. I mean, so much so like they they're going to have so many people going down to Tampa this week, you know, for everything going yeah. on down there. Like people are itching to get back in, into these events and I think that's double for a lot of the performers like yourself. So yeah. Uh, well, I honestly, I I am excited to see it. Like, I'm excited to see everybody get back and get the ball rolling again. And I am looking forward to getting the chance to see you back, getting the bandanas back on and getting back out there and just doing your thing again. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online and keep up to date with whenever that does get to start rolling again. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Dewey Murray. And then I am also on Twitter, which I've been uh, keeping up to date on that. I've been trying to be a little bit more Twitter strong. And uh, you can follow me at the uh, Real Mother Trucker on Twitter. And then on YouTube, same thing, the Real Mother Trucker. And I don't do Instagram. So that's really about it. Well, Dewey, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. And you have a good one.